0: thank you for listening to this podcast from the homestead Our kingdom family in mobile for the first weekend that he's after him and his family have moved there and uh, we were there for the first and a handful excuse me a handful of the family made the voyage to mobile and um and then I know there was a handful here in the sanctuary watching Sunday morning. We got messages from a handful of the family watching it from home. It's just so, so awesome. It's an a, um, incredible, incredible uh, weekend of, of promise. And so excited and stirred for, for being joined there and what we believe the Lord is doing. And, um, and so excited to be back here. And this, this is so family to me, man. It feels so home this morning. And, and for those that don't know how we do things... Um, very regularly, we take Sundays off. Now, we won't usually do the two-in-a-row thing. That just worked out. It was Memorial weekend, and then we felt it was appropriate that we focus our attention to to honor what the Lord's doing through Apostle and and celebrating that day. We won't usually do two-in-a-row, but the reason that we take very specific and intentional days off is because we want you to begin to we're learning that the lifestyle of being with family it's the lifestyle what we call zoe life and life more abundantly that it's I, 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 every person i talked to about this in the last couple of weeks brought up the schmidts every person Talk when we're talking about why we're intentional about this. They're like, man, and I love because they went like to a dinosaur park or a zoo or something. Just and they just spent the day, and I'm telling you that is as holy as what is in, they're encountering in this room. And and if we're doing it right, if we're doing it right, that fuels this, and this fuels that. Amen. And and so and then in my mind, in a perfect world, it, it makes us even more excited and more hungry for when we get together. You know, and so I, I want you to to see those days as intentional and um and I understand the the how different that is and I understand that that it 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 the the church mindset might might be like well are you teaching people that it's okay to skip church and my, don't hear what I'm not saying. If you're looking for a reason not to come to church, I don't have to give you permission. You can skip whenever you want. You can stay home and rest whenever you want. That is me giving the mantle of being led by the Spirit, the the responsibility of you leading your family in the Spirit to you. I don't know if your family needs to take a restful day. You do. I don't know if your family needs a, a, a day to just sit and chill at home. You do. And lead your family in that and be led by the Spirit together. Amen. But like then when we we're gone and like the text of like, man, we feel something important Sunday. We can't wait to get there. That's what I love. I love that. And so be intentional on those days. Be, be you know, and, and if you're just so hungry to... Do church, Men Throw on a a past service and watch it again, or join some. Do something worship by way of with your family, and those are important. So we 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 schedule those throughout the the month as as on purpose, so that we can be real intentional about those things. Amen. All right, I want to jump in really quickly, and uh, I'll do a quick um quick review of where we were two weeks ago, and then man am I stirred to teach this morning. So th- this is. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I said this is probably as stirred as I've been. This this doubles that. By the way, I think it's important that we note that the last time we were together as a family, the adults in the final at-bat by walk-off fashion did beat the starting varsity baseball team in the softball game. Um, I do think it's important to note it was the starting varsity nine. I also think it's important to know we are now 3-0. and oh, We've never lost that game. I also think it's important to note that it was in walk-off fashion, heroics last Fire, you know, fireworks were going off and it's been, it was again one of the most important moments of my life to be and witness and be on that team and so um, Benton had two home runs in the game, he was the MVP, Stephen Neal with the walk off slammer was just the, the, the icing, it was just amazing and so um, kids just I, I can just tell you, you're loved even in your failures, you're loved we love you, you are loved even when we win, amen Amen. God loves you, but obviously we're his favorites. Amen? <laughs> All right. So real quick, um, wish that was a blast. Thank you for those that that gave into that and helped us. And, and we'll talk more about camp here in just a little bit. But, um, but the last Sunday that we were together, we talked about... Let, let's just do the review. We talked about... Um, the people of Israel finally after 400 plus years of crying out in bondage, in, in captivity under the rule of Pharaoh, they began to cry out for God to deliver them and set them free. And one thought, one promise and one dream kept them pers- like kept them sane during this entire 400 year journey. And it was the promise that one day a deliverer was going to come and bring them into the land that had been promised to them generations before 400 years one promise continues to stir in the people and that is hang in there there is a promise still coming Moses arrives goes through all of the plagues gets gets, um, permission to lead the people out The the heart of Pharaoh is hardened against the people, begins to chase them down. They're now surrounded. They've got the the Egyptians coming behind them. They're stuck in front of the Red Sea. They immediately turn to Moses and says, is this what your God, is this what your God planned? That he would bring us out here that we might be killed by Pharaoh in the wilderness What are we doing here? We know the story. Moses lifts up his staff. The Red Sea parts. Hundred foot walls of the ocean on either side. They walk across on dry land. And then Pharaoh and his men as they're chasing get baptized by the love of God as they get drowned. Because that is what freedom is. Freedom is not that you're running and you're no longer chained. Freedom is you don't have to live looking over your shoulder wondering when that thing's going to grab you again. And so the Lord brings them into freedom and then they begin what should have been an 11-day journey to the River Jordan. Begin a 40-year journey because your grumbling will always prolong the process. And that's not even spiritual. That's just the reality. Grumbling will always prolong the process. And gratitude will always expedite the process. Expedite the process. Thank you will always expedite the process. That is not just spiritual, but it 100% is spiritual. But it goes into anything. If you live grateful, the process is expedited. When we grumble, when we're frustrated, when we allow every step to be another source of frustration, then an 11-day journey turns into 40 years. Just... Let the Lord do that for you. So then we get to, we finally, after 40 years, we get to the River Jordan. Quick review and then we're moving forward. Get to the River Jordan and Moses sends one, the leader of all 12 tribes of Israel into, across the Jordan, into for a 40 day spying campaign, sends 12 spies. They stay together, all 12. They come back after 40 days to give their report of what they saw in Canaan. 10 of the 12 come back and who experienced the exact same thing. Say, same thing. same thing. They touched the same ground, saw the same land, saw the same fertile rivers, carried the same grapes, so massive that it took two of them between a pole to hold them up. They were so massive and heavy. They saw all of the same potential. Say, potential. potential. Saw all the same potential. And 10 of those 12, we know, came back with a negative report. They said, we saw ourselves as grasshoppers in their eyes. Therefore, we were like grasshoppers in their eyes. Again, just a quick review. How you allow yourself to be seen, the lens by which you see yourself, will write the narrative for what, how you see every moment and opposition you're still buying the lie that you're never going to make it, then through the lens, every moment you see will announce to you you're right. So then two, Joshua and Caleb, who saw the same giant, saw the same army, saw the same Jericho and fortified cities, came back not ignoring the oppositions and obstacles and issues, but they came back out of a prophetic declaration that this is the land that's been promised to us. This is the difference between being observational and prophetic. A lot of people who are spiritual, who believe that, who know that they have, you have prophetic DNA. If no one's ever told you that, let me tell you. You have the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. You have a prophetic DNA that is coursing through your body. And if you and I are, but if you're still, if you see issues, and that issue does not come, and you don't then receive a measure of hope for seeing that issue corrected, then you're observational, you're not prophetic. It takes no prophetic gifting to see issues. It takes the prophetic to be aware of an issue and release the promise. Amen? And if we're not careful... When we see things that, that, that are off, if we're not careful and we're not then letting that thing push us deeper into the presence of Jesus to find a direction, to find an answer, and to release a promise, then we'll let observations lie to us and say that it's prophetic. But what the prophet does, what the prophetic DNA does is, is not ignore the issue. We hate that culture. It's okay to talk about brokenness. It's okay to admit that you're struggling. It's actually, it's necessary to admit that you don't have it perfectly together. Because transparency and vulnerability are the only real keys to breakthrough. Me admitting the necessity of his intervention. And the necessity of family's intervention in my life is the gateway to my breakthrough. So we're not the church culture that talks about just pretend. No, it's okay to admit and know that I've got issue and I've got struggle and I've got answers that I need the Father to bring. The prophetic thing has got to rise up to me and say, however, I know His perfect love is casting out fear and begin to release promise even in the presence of opposition. Amen? All right. so Joshua and Caleb give a promise report. They see the same issues, but they're more moved by the potential. If there's one thing I can say about this family is we are swarming with potential. We, this place is swarming with promise and potential. Same observations, same issues, but two had a prophetic lens. Seeing the issues, again, does not make you prophetic. It makes you observational. The prophetic is I see the issue and I refuse to let that issue move me. Amen? Alright, really quick... Um, Okay, I'm not even. Don't even worry about pulling that up. Numbers fourteen twenty four just says, "But my servant Caleb, because he had a different spirit in him, in him I am going to release the promise. His descendants will inherit the land." All right, everyone, caught up? Just, yep, yep. Okay, perfect. Today I want to continue in this kingdom lens, but but go a bit further and talk about a culture in promise, a culture in promise. I love that man. I do, am I. At the homestead or am I of the homestead? I want to be of the promise. I want to be in the promise. Amen? Wes, you killed it, homie. Thank you for not reading two pages of notes and just sharing what was on your heart. So, okay, let's go to Joshua 1. Joshua 1. And I'm going to read verse 1 through 9. I'm in the New King King James, and then we're going to jump in. Just a little bit deeper into this this culture of promise. Joshua 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people, to the land which I am giving them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. As I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Verse 6, be strong and of good courage. for. And then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be of good courage and strong. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Okay. Oh, I love this. I feel buzzing in my heart because I know where we're going. So, Moses dies. The mantle of leadership is passed to Joshua. The Lord then commands Joshua. It's time now to cross over the Jordan. This is fascinating to me, but it's also so incredibly important to see this. Verse 1 through 5 is all good news. The same promise I had for Moses, I give to you, Joshua. Everywhere the sole of your foot would tread, that land belongs to you. No man shall ever be able to stand against you. You're going to divide this as an inheritance. Go. I've got... Basically, he is literally... Promising success. Just do what I'm telling you to do. Don't go left or right. Just follow the promise. Follow what you hear me saying to you. And it's impossible for you to fail. All good news. Right? Like, Nick, go. Just do the the scheme. And I promise that your team wins the football game. Why then would you be worried? You've literally just been handed a promise that victory is imminent. And then look what happens in three consecutive verses, verse 3, I'm sorry, verse 6 through 9, three separate times the father says, "Now be strong and courageous." He says again, "Be strong and courageous," and then he ends the moment of encounter by saying, "Have I not told you be strong and courageous. Why do you need courage when the promise has already been guaranteed? Victory's been guaranteed, yet he still says to his servant, Go, be strong and courageous. Because, there, because standing on his promise will still 100% of the time require a season called courageous. Many of us miss promise because... Of an assumption of little to no opposition. And we were taught. Bumpy road means not his will. I love how Apostle Damon has been saying for years. That opposition is always the prophetic indicator of a potential. Standing on and standing in the promise of the Lord. Will always require a courageous day. 100% of the time. Peter says, Lord, if it's really you, bid that I would come. Come out onto the water. Could have added in there. And be courageous. He's already released the promise necessary for Peter to stand on what should overcome him. But even in that moment, stepping out of a boat in the middle of a storm absolutely takes courage. Take courage. I, I, just, I, I wrote this and wanted to say this to the family. Take courage. This, whatever this is for you, this ends good. Take courage. This ends good. We, we, my, my, my life is, is just quoting Bill Johnson and Damon Thompson. Bill Johnson says it like this. If it hasn't ended good, it means the story's not over. Take courage. This ends good. Why do you need to have courage when he's already promised you every place you step is land I've given to you and promised hundreds of years ago. This is finally a day of promise. Because there's still bumps. There's still opposition. There's still things that don't seem to line up perfectly A to B in the way that we we, we have dreamed or imagined the process was going to be. But take courage even though the promise is yes and amen. It's impossible for God's word to return to him without fulfilling 100% exactly what he had designed it to do. It is incapable of being returned to him without fulfilling everything it was purposed and intended to do. Now what we understand then is there's a response and a responsibility of the family to respond, take courage, and go according to that word. It, I'm gonna, it was not the father's initial design that it would be an entire generation of Israelites that would be lost in the wilderness. Now the promise of Canaan did not return back to the Father. It just waited for a generation later to come that would stand in courage and go in faith in the Word. We, 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 we for years called those holding patterns. I want to tell you right now, His name is Yahweh Remembers. He has never forgotten a dream. He has never forgotten a promise. He's never forgotten anything that He's invested into you by way of His Holy Spirit. He never forgets a promise. So you haven't missed it because you haven't stepped into it yet. He remembers. Take courage. This ends good. But I want to step into, Nick, everything I'm supposed to step into so that they're not required to step across something I was meant to step across. I want them to inherit something better than where I am. What does that mean? It takes a generation. It takes us parents, fathers and mothers in the room to step into with courage everything the Father's telling us to step into. Why? So that their life begins where ours was ending. I don't want them to have to take over and cross the Jordan when I know that was my generation's job. Take courage. But He's promised you. Yep. Take courage. Take courage. You you can get even into, and we might go here even next week, get into where they come across into um, the the first city that, that they go towards is Jericho. Jericho, and the Lord tells... like. Obviously, there's nothing, if most of us know the story of Jericho, there's nothing that the people of Israel did, did by way of military prowess that brought victory in the narrative of Jericho. Except take courage and don't stop marching. The only way we lose is when we quit. Okay, let's keep going. I'm, 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 I'm jumping ahead a couple of weeks. Let's keep on going. So, He hears from the Lord. He says, take courage. It's time to cross over. Say cross over. over. Say "cross cross over. Say this. This is better. It's time. It's time. It's time to cross over. But what is step one? Let's go to Joshua 2. Joshua 2 verse 1. Oh, I love this. He's been given the mantle of leadership over the nation of Israel. Goes across, you, you could read in the, in quickly in the narrative, but he, they create memorial stones, they create some altars before the Lord. But let's watch what, what Joshua does first. Joshua 2 verse 1 says, Now Joshua the son of Nun sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab, and, and they lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all of the country. Then the, women took the, then the woman took the two men and hid them, saying, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And it happened as the gate was being shut when the dark that the men were sent out. When the, where the men were sent out, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. This is her misleading the, the, the Jericho men, uh, the army of Jericho, saying, no, they were here. I sent them away because I didn't know who they were. If you hurry, you can catch them. There's Matt's uh, new Matt version. In fact, let's just stop there. So then she goes up to the roof and brings them in, gives them. You can read through the narrative, and I encourage you to do that. Um, and and ba- makes covenant with them that says, hey, when you come, remember me and my family. Here's what I want to discuss. It's fascinating. Joshua was one of the 12 spies. Joshua and Caleb were one of the, two, the only two who came back with the prophetic announcement of, of the promise of the Lord. This is it. We're here. Joshua's first act as reigning leader. His first act, besides crossing over the Jordan, creating the memorial stones in a place of of celebration and honor. The first thing Joshua does as a leader is send spies to Jericho. We find in verse 2, this is a horrible plan. This is why it's a horrible plan. In verse 2, we find the king already knows they're there. The one thing that the Hebrew people have, the, 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 the Israeli, the Israelite people have, the one thing they have in this moment would be called the element of surprise. You've now blown that to send two people to a place you've already gone. He's not sending them there so that they could report back to him what's Jericho like? Like, Josh, what are you doing? Why would you need to send two spies into the land when you already and now you've blown your cover? They know you're here and now they're already on the defensive and now the offensive looking to strike those two men down. This is poor leadership because you know what he could have done, Nick? Just tell them what Jericho was like. He spent 40 days in Canaan looking through the land and He knows what Jericho looks like. So why would a leader risk the lives of two men to do what he's already done? You've already spied the land. Why now are you sending spies? Why would you send spies to a place you've already been? You don't need the scouting report. I think coaching all the time. I love Bill Belichick. I think he's a huge jerk, and I wouldn't want to hang out with him, but I love him. I wish he was my football coach. You have film nowadays. You have 39 angles of every play of every team that has ever played. I can YouTube right now, and Nick could make a scouting report for the Denver Broncos right now. There's enough tape to know what the Denver Broncos are going to do. And some reason this dude gets caught sending a camera into practice. Again, I, didn't want, I don't want to have him over for dinner, but I do wish they'd coach the Cowboys. Why are you doing this? He gets caught, gets busted, right? Puts a black eye on the, the, the Patriots and their response to that is go win the Super Bowl and tell everybody to shut up. So, why would you do that? Why risk getting caught when you can't learn anything else by watching practice? Why Joshua send spies into the land when you've already spied the land? You know everything and you've lost the element of surprise. And I believe simply the answer is this. He knew. He knew if they could just touch the dirt. There would be no stopping them. He knows what touching that dirt did in his heart. And says if I could just get a handful To touch and see what I've touched and seed. There's nothing that could stop us. Because there is a place where we're supposed to get tired of hearing about it. There is a time where we're supposed to get a little tension and frustration with just having a leader tell you how great Canaan was. He knew if I could get them to touch what I've touched, encounter what I've encountered, and see what I've seen, there will be no stopping this people. And the culture that most of us have been uh, um, grown and raised in was a leader who had been further than we had been. And his life was coming back and articulating how great it was over there. And we needed you to come back next Sunday so I could tell you how great it was living in Canaan for another week and just tell you keep hanging in there because one day Canaan's going to come back for you. One day the promise is going to be yours. But while we're waiting, I'm going to tell you how great it is over there. And there was one person that would live in a place of consecration and hunger and excitement and we would go and we needed to glean and hear from these great men of revelation and we would live vicariously through their relationship in the promise. But Joshua could not receive the promise alone. And it would do nothing in that moment for Joshua to tell them how great Canaan was. He needed a handful to put their hands on it. He needed a handful to see it. Because if you could see it, then nothing would ever stop you. Be strong and courageous. Go look at it. Dare to dream what could happen if we inhabited what you're going to see. And then something stirred in the heart of these two men that when these two spies came back and said, No, let me tell you what we've seen. Now all of a sudden the entire nation of Israel is ready to pursue a promise. There's only so much we get from hearing about it. We grew up in a, in a spirit-filled, charismatic, very prophetic t- type of people. And the only thing we knew how to talk about which was what's coming. We're about to. God's fixing to. Everything was what, and I love that. I love the prophetic of of knowing where we're going. But I'm telling you, what we're going to learn is, the, the, the song that we sing so often here, I'm standing in the promise surrounded by His goodness. He keeps getting better, but this is supposed to be a dream come true too. And it was always what's coming and what's coming, and that stirs our excitement. But there's only so much I can hear about what's coming. I'm ready to encounter what I'm meant to encounter. There's only so much hearing about it works. I want to. So I, I I have a senior. I grew up, as most of y'all know in the room, I'm a, I'm a golf fanatic. More specifically, I'm an Augusta National fanatic. The Masters is my single most favorite sporting event of the year. I love it. I'm obsessed with it. I read about the weird culture there, and I love it. It's very exclusive. They're jerks, and I don't know why that fascinates me. It fascinates me that Bill Gates wanted to be a member, and they said no, just so they could say amongst themselves, the richest man in the world wanted to be a member here, and we just said no. That fascinates me. I love Augusta. I love the Masters. I don't miss, like, a second of it. My friends can tell you, if if it's there, we were in Vegas this year for the men's conference during the Masters, and I will admit before the Lord and everybody, besides when my apostle was teaching, I was... Not that I wasn't paying attention, I just was dual focused. I'm way more spiritual than y'all, and I can I can handle that. I love the Masters. I'm obsessed with it. And if y'all don't know, it's incredibly hard to get tickets. There, You, you do a lottery. I've put in for the lottery since I was 15 years old. And uh, I've gotten one day, one day on a Wednesday, I got a ticket to get to go watch the practice round. But I've watched... Hundreds of rounds in my life at Augusta National. I love it. Some of my favorite moments when Tiger chipped it and it rolled, y'all know the Nike commercial, and just sat on the edge and fell in. I was a freshman in college and took off running down the hallway. It was the greatest thing I've ever seen. It's amazing. I love Augusta. And I, I could walk you through the course. Because I've done the virtual tour, the flyby, I know Jim Nance's voice, a tradition like none other, Augusta, we'll be back, CBS. I I love everything about it, and I've watched it, I've seen pictures of it, I've got books about it in my office, over the top obsessed with it. And none of that satisfied me the way it did stepping foot on that grass one day. Like, I literally, I remember call like, you can't have phones there. Why? Because they want to just make it difficult. But every, so there's no phones. What does that mean? There's 100,000 people, and when you turn around like this, the people you're with are gone. So you spend the whole day by yourself because you have no way of contacting them. They're, they've disappeared. You can't be like, hey, where are you? They're gone. So the people I, were, I was with left me, and I was gone. It turns out they were like eight feet away from me doing the same thing. For about 15 minutes and then we all just went different directions. But I spent the day by myself and I remember that evening I called Jamie, as you can imagine, very emotional. I cried at commercials. Cried at Top Gun the other night. In the opening credits, got cried, tear. Doesn't take much. So I called Jamie and I'm emotional and I'm like, I can't get over this place. Like... It's way more hilly than I thought. The TV doesn't show the the ungulation. Like, you don't understand how green it really is. Like, you don't, there's not a weed on this entire course. There's not one flower out of place. Like, I, I was going on and on. And as you guys could imagine, Jamie, like, did not even care. And I didn't care that she didn't care It actually helped that the conversation was so one-sided, I could just tell her everything that I had experienced. Because hearing about it, even seeing pictures of it, did not do justice to walking the grass. That was a golf course. I understand the big scheme of things. It's not that big of a deal. It's a big deal to a fan. But understand the mentality of how important it is for you to see where it is that you're going. For you to experience even a moment or a glimpse or a a piece of what the Father is leading you and I into. And understanding there's just something different about seeing it. There's something different about being able to experience it. Even if for a moment of the Lord saying, now let's go. Let's go. Let's cross over. There, You've seen pictures of it. You've heard stories about it. You've experienced leaders who have talked about how amazing it is. But now there's just something different when a family decides it's time to cross. He knew if he could just get them to touch the dirt, there's no stopping us now. Because seeing it's better. Like, I'll just talk to moms and dads. Dads maybe even more specifically. We'll talk about this tomorrow. Like, every man in this room tells their kids how important it is to love and worship God. Everybody in this room does. You wouldn't be here if you didn't at some point tell your kids it's important. But more important than that is them seeing you radically worship the Lord. We tell our kids, you don't be afraid of what people think. You just you, you be you and worship the Lord. And then a lot of times they don't see us do that. But there is something different about them seeing it. There is something different about them seeing you go for it. I'm not talking about you got to jump to jump. I'm talking about you recklessly abandoned, just engaged with the presence of the Lord. I, I was reminded this week, I know I'm rambling a lot this today, but I, I was reminded this week, I can honestly say, Nick's here, Kendall's here, Michelle's here. I can honestly say there's a handful of messages I remember my dad preaching, and it was only because he said something accidentally inappropriate. You know, didn't say sailors. He said seamen. And I'm 11 years old and couldn't handle that. I'm 35 years old. I still can't handle that. Just call them freaking sailors so we can focus. I, I, I you know, I, I can. My, he sang a song, "Draw Me Nearer to You," but for some reason, when he sang, he made a, added a W to Neewa. And I don't understand. I don't remember anything that he preached except accidentally. Inappropriate statements. Piece of ship. (laughs) Paul was in the shipwreck and they held on to the pieces of the boat and floating like in the moment of the storms of your life, you know, worship, discipleship. Stewardship, the ships, grab your piece of ship. No matter how small it is, how insignificant it is, you grab your piece of ship and hold on. And we're sitting on the front row going, Pop, this is distracting. I don't remember any of the amazing things. I don't, I I tried. I tried to remember things. And the only, I just keep hearing like semen, piece of ship. (laughs) I'm like distracting myself in prayer. Trying to, I don't remember any of that. But I, this week... I can remember. when. See, I, I, I knew my dad in between. I knew him in the in between. I, he was an a, a awesome young minister. Went through a divorce with my, my biological mother, who's a part of this family as well. Um, they get a divorce very young in a denomination that cast you away when you had a divorce. So they threw him away, took away his credentials, couldn't preach And there's one group of people that befriended him And it was cowboys and honky-tonks So dad, went, I, I can, my, my early memories of my dad was him not in church And him doing the softball, the rodeo, and the bar thing And insert Michelle into that narrative when I was very young And then they went crazy together And, uh, and I'm talking about, I, we, I've, I you know, couldn't even see Michelle never first five years of my life, didn't even see Michelle sober That's not true she was such a bad influence on my dad, so they. But then Michelle and Dad, I can remember them getting like, like taken by the presence of God. Michelle, growing up Methodist, thought my dad was bananas, and somehow the Lord kept them together. And now, you know, she gets filled with the Holy Ghost, and the rest is history. But I, I remember that. I remember my dad coming into the knowledge of who he was, and he was still a detective for Denton, and me and Nick spent the summers a lot at their house after they were married and Nick was the most frustrating person to spend a summer day with I love him, he's my best friend on the planet but he was very frustrating for a energetic like I need to get outside kid we lived in a neighborhood and dad's like you can go outside if your brother goes outside well well, crap Nick it was good inside. It's was hot. wasn't interested. No, it just wasn't interested. We didn't have a pool or anything like that. And so we just. So I was so frustrated. But I can remember my dad coming home from lunch. Like I, I can, I can smell their living room. I can sit on the flower couches. I can follow him when he would bring me a Nick Sonic or whatever for lunch. Drop off. He had an hour for lunch, and he would just walk down the hall back to his bedroom. And I remember standing at the door. I can, I, I mean, I'm there. The door shut, and I just hear him praying in the Holy Ghost in his room, just weeping in the presence of God, and just hearing him his heaven language, his prayer language. Come, and I can remember at nine and ten, something affecting me in my bones. Like I feel this, and I would just go and stand. He never knew I did that. I just remember standing outside his door, like that's real. That's amazing. And, and I didn't have language. I couldn't articulate it. It wasn't like I went right into full-time ministry at 11. It wasn't that. But it was investing seeds in me. Why? Because there was something different between dad saying you need to do this and watching dad do it, seeing dad do it, encounter dad do it, that we're here now running with what he established. There is something different about seeing it. And there is a generation who will hold what they've been told they're going to hold. Be a courage. This ends well. Be strong and courageous. This ends well. Whew. See, it's not enough just to hear that there's more in the promised land. I believe it's the day that we're going to see it. If you could just touch the dirt, if you just encountered a glimpse of the promise, there's no stopping you. I think part of the frustration and our, our tendency to like back away is we know we're meant for something deeper. And we've never been given permission to go for it. Even as a leader I can say maybe there's been times where I knew we as a family were supposed to go deeper and out of fear or insecurity you can go yeah we're going yeah but what if we that's a little weird that's no it's just i mean, it's just that we're going to go for it. Yeah. Yeah. You were meant for more. And we're gonna go for it, and the people who believe that they're supposed to go—that's praise God, praise God. Because I know if we can touch it, I know if we can touch the dirt, friend. I know if we can touch the dirt. So, I, and I'm jealous for you to see that, to encounter it, and to see the Holy Ghost move in our life in ways that we've never imagined. Now, here, here's, here's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here here's what I wanted to, to show this morning that's so incredibly important to this understanding. I think it's important to the longevity. I think it's important to the not quitting thing. I want to I wanna share I want to teach you this. When the people went in to spy Jericho, Jericho was still standing. Jericho was still there, Jericho was still fortified, Jericho was still a problem. Jericho was still an issue. <laughs> Loving you is easy because you're beautiful. And then that was, ah, y'all knew exactly. That was perfect. That was right on key. That's incredible. Sign her up, Jared. Make a note. Ah, that's how I sound. So, there's still issues in Canaan. There's still issues in Canaan. And this is, this. Um, you know what, praise team. Can we just come? Will y'all come with me? Jamal's not here, so I, I usually ask Jamal to come play with me. So, watch this. The people cross over Jordan. They cross over the River Jordan. Always in Scripture, that river represents transition. They step across the river, step onto Canaan, which means what? Promised land. Okay. Now we also have to get a little realistic. Wilderness, Promised land wilderness Promised land it's not like this land back here was like disgusting and barren and hard to deal with in fact we find out that there's families that would rather stay there raise their families keep their herds this is not disgusting land this land is fine it's just not the fullness but it's fine They step over here, so I need you to understand because this is how I always pictured it. Like, you know, the elephant graveyard from Lion King, the shadowy place. Everyone in the room, it's a silly illustration. Everyone in the room knows exactly what I'm talking about. The shadowy place full of hyenas, and then over here was like the most amazing fertile land. No, it's the same dirt everything looks the same but you're in an entirely new world you're in an entirely new world and yet nothing really feels much different than the other side of the water you're in a completely new world full of promise full of the, uh, the, the provision the declaration of the guarantee of victory you're in the land promised to your families for generations you're there And nothing about this dirt is a whole lot different than that dirt, even though you're in a completely new world. Now, every new step they took was new land, was deeper into promise. But crossing over, nothing really looked or felt much different. It's incredibly important that we don't let observations lie to us that they're prophetic. I mean, okay, story time. For the eighth time today. We, we've been going through the bake shop season. We've been going through the, the this, this is the property, this is the property, this is the property. We have been under contract on 90% of Aubrey proper at one point over the last 15 months. Hardest part of that whole thing was showing up on Sunday morning pretending like I wasn't about to just punch somebody in the face for no reason. Thank God for Jamie. He's like, we'll just keep looking. I don't want to keep looking. So, been dreaming of this. Dreaming of this place. And, and, and we met with Benton on every other piece of property in Aubrey. and we're, How could we do this? How could we do this? We've been meeting. We've been going. Fighting with the city council. Fighting with the city managers. Going through all these different things. You know. Finally, we get this phone call about this building. I called them. They call us back. They say, yeah, we want to sell. We're ready to retire. Come look at it. Jamie, as y'all know the story, goes, no. Me, of course, being so plugged into the spirit, I knew. Now, at this point, I go, I don't care if it is a TP. We're going to check it out. Don't even care. At this point, we got window units. I don't even care. So we come in, and immediately, Jamie, like, I can see that look on her face. And she's like. Because she sees what it could be. So we go, go through the process, the contract, and then there's this day where we get the keys. We get to show, you know, text the or or post the picture of me signing the papers. We got the keys. Oh my gosh. Jamie goes, I know, I, I'll remember it. And now I cry about it. But she goes, I know where you're going. And I came in, opened that door, and it was much different the room basically ended right where Wes was sitting and those were offices back there and it was there was the solar system was painted on the walls and there was where Landon is sitting was the puppetry section puppet room and just very different just very different but I walk in here And like I'm like, I'm just ready to go and like cry my eyes out in thankfulness. And I remember I came in and the stage was just boards. And I remember I stood up on the stage and I like pictured the room. I pictured in my mind like this place filled, and I'm like, if you can imagine, not one tear came out of my face. I'm like, we're here. This is the promise, God. Nobody's prayed about this more than me. I thought I was going to like... I expected to walk into this room with a band of angels. You know, like, I expected the Holy Spirit and Jesus in the flesh to be sitting here waiting on me. Like, you made it, son. And us just dance around the room and the, the band is playing. I just expected this, like getting transported to the third heaven you know and I'm sitting here I'm like well this doesn't feel any different didn't feel different it did not feel like family yet it didn't feel like home yet it felt like we bought a foreclosure from another family it didn't feel like a home yet it didn't feel like my house it didn't feel like it had Jamie's touch it didn't feel like heaven was here yet didn't feel like promise. But you know what? I was in a completely new world called my promise and it didn't feel like a promise yet. I hadn't got to put my feet on the dirt yet. So when you step into a promise, it doesn't mean all of a sudden the angels show up, begin to sing over you. You've made it. Keep going. Be strong and courageous. No, it's just like this little thing where I just look. I remember sitting there in that moment expecting to be here for six hours in a trance of the Holy Ghost. And I remember just going... this is it and just left Jamie's like how was it I go it was all it was supposed to be it was all it was supposed to be and then yesterday all this memory is playing through my mind as I'm in here on a Saturday I got worship in the room I'm just walking and I'm standing on the same spot and I see you and I see our babies getting married here and I see the future outpouring of the Lord and I see you coming alive and I see miracles happening and I see bald babies from cancer treatment as their hair is beginning to grow and I start seeing the miracles and I go, oh this is the promise but guess what, so was that day so was the first moment I stepped foot in this smelly freaking building Even though it didn't feel like heaven's hosts, it was a moment where the Lord whispered, be strong and courageous. I'm giving you this land, but it's going to take some courage. You're going to get in here. It's going to feel awkward. It's going to feel weird. People are just going to be staring at you. And I'm like, God, in the bake shop, in a flipping bake shop, we like touched heaven. This is going to be easy. And then I was shocked to find you can get into a new building and we go right back to like church mode. We're in a church building, must be doing church again. Even in my own heart, I could feel that tension. I'm like, okay, God, what do we do? What are we doing? What are we doing? What, what's what's off? what's off? And I remember the Lord said, just Canaan didn't feel like the promise when they stepped across the water. But you're in a whole new world. You're in a whole new world. Be strong and courageous. You're in a whole new world. This ends good. This ends better than we could ever dream. Every step you take is a new step. He's promised you and I. I say it's time we go for it. Yeah, but Matt, you know, I, we, I didn't feel that. Great, we we'll keep walking. Keep walking. Canaan didn't feel any different than the wilderness. It's the same dirt. But you're in a whole new world. You're in a whole new world. And as I get ready to sing, well, <laughs> they get ready to sing, I get ready to sing with you, not in the microphone. I was reminded several years ago our first time to go to the beach area that we love called 30A in Florida the first year we went I woke up to the, I felt the Lord awake me from my sleep and told me to like come away with Him like come sit and engage with the Lord and I do what all deep spiritual people do I, I rolled over and went back to sleep by accident I'm like yes Holy Ghost one more minute like the Holy Ghost I hit snooze you know And you know, like most snoozes an hour and a half goes by before I wake up And I remember like, you know, oh God, I'm sorry. And that's good. And the Lord used that as an awesome moment. But I remember the Lord whispered to me in that moment, Matt, where you stop is where you stop. But you're free to go as far as you want to go. Where you stop is where you stop. But you're free to go as far, as deep, as glorious as you want to go. You're in a whole new world. Regardless of what we feel, regardless of what we see, regardless of of all the accoutrements of the hour or the moment or the day, you're in a whole new world. We're in a whole new world. We're in a whole new world. And you were designed for this world. And I just hear the Lord saying, let's go for it. Let's go for it. Let's go for it. I was sitting here this morning and I was listening to our kiddos singing. Mainly Camden, and I'm like, yeah, we're winning. This is good. This is good. This is what we're doing just fine. So, man, I just I feel the Lord. I, I feel two things that I want I want to say. I want to have a. We're gonna. Be, we need to have. I feel like we are supposed to have a baptism service. So we'll be posting that. And I feel like it's one of those things where everything that's kept me from just going all in. We're just going to drown that mess. You feel that? You good with that? So we'll share with that. I just want to. It's a new day. And I want to just. Whoever wants to do that. There's not pressure. Like we're going to grab you and dunk you. Just there's four of us or 400. I don't care. But just an opportunity to, to prophetically gesture and say hey this is a new day. I want to go through that's what the jordan was it was a moment of transition so i want to do that and then i also want us to understand to piggyback on what Wes said in a family setting you recognize as i'm stepping across i'm i'm not i'm not only bringing people with me but i'm announcing what is to come and when you and i can pour into others and it's not you're coming to church but you're a part of a family then you recognize that like when I'm pouring into a family or I'm pouring into Casey, I'm also pouring into who Casey's going to pour into. And I'm, when I pour into Eli, I know I get to see that reaped in the twins' heart. It only works in the kingdom this way. So the, the Schmitts had a, the, a party, a little pool party for the middle school group at their house last night. It was awesome. And they I recognized like they're investing in the kids that they don't know, and what they actually don't realize is a part of a family. You actually reap that inheritance in your own children. That's the family. And so I want us to, I want you to stand with me, and I, I say that portion to say this. Those of you that know we're we're taking, I I brought the the Blends up because they're going with us. Um, I believe Nick and Amber are, are hopefully able to go with us, but we're taking just the high school group this year—a handful of kids—to um, a, to a weekend of services in um, in, in um, Kentucky. I couldn't I kept wanting to say Ohio. In Kentucky this year, because they they really they threw this together kind of over a phone call. We we're like, man, we can't wait to do camp next year, and we said, well, hey, why don't we just do a weekend of services for the kids? And it kind of threw together that quick right before Easter, and. A small group of of older teenagers are easier to throw together than if we were to have a whole group of kids that have the younger group. Next year, we will be taking our whole group. So pray with us and volunteer with us because we will be taking a herd next year. Um, But there's a handful. We we, we still need. We had a meeting yesterday with Jennifer and Benton about this. um, And there's still a need for those kids and the, 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 the fundraiser we did was awesome it paid for all of the soft, I mean the um, hotels we're taking care of food and hotels all of that's taken care of and as y'all know we, now we're in the like do you drive for $6 a gallon or do you fly for the same elevated price so we're trying to figure that out and we just go as the drivers we said oh, I feel flying in my spirit 14 hours with some high school kids like nah I feel the Lord saying we're going to fly and so we've had some of you reach out this is just I want to add this and and then you guys just approach or pray and do whatever you feel but I want to invite you to like help us because the idea goes the church mentality goes like this well can't the parents pay for their own kids to go to camp yeah yes they can like baseball practice right my, I can, like, I, I expect you to, you know, get your kid to softball practice. But if you understand the family dynamic, is what you're sowing, you're not giving, you're sowing. You're investing into a young heart that actually will come back and be the leaders for when your babies step into that role. And they're going to be the ones that your kids watch. And I, I can look and say, the kids that are going this year got to watch Jackson and his group and that older group and saw them encounter the Lord it gave them permission to go and now they're going to be that's how the family revival life works so you're not just well I think they should have raised their money okay then don't give don't do that I'm not going to twist your arm we'll figure this whole thing out period we'll donate plasma I've done it before for plane tickets we'll do it again but those of, us that, those of you that, that feel like, hey, that's on my heart I want to give, I just find Jamie after service and she can help communicate how to do that and make sure it's earmarked for the kids. And um, Because it's a whole new day. And I believe that what they're going to encounter in that weekend is going to help shape the culture for this whole family. I do believe that. I believe they're that important. And um, But I want to just, as we're getting ready to close, you know that bridge that just says, um, I don't even remember what song it is. You say. No, No. but that does sound nice. I was going to say that I'm standing in his promise, surrounded by his goodness. Yes. Do you know what I'm talking about? For sure. There is a song that says that. uh, Do you need to make it up real quick? Thank you. I remember. Okay. Yep. Sorry. (laughs) I want to, we really, we go over the stuff before service. You can tell (laughs) we've got a, I give them an index card with all the transitions and words that we're going to sing. But man, I just so feel like I want to sing through this for just one moment. I know we're, we're right at noon, and I don't think that matters one bit. But I want us to together, and we're going to end the day the way we started, in a moment of it, what you didn't realize was you were in a place of prophetic worship. And the, the, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, meaning as you thank Him for what He's done, you're announcing what is to come. And the great thing about the Lord is He does nothing the same. It's always better. So he came again to the region of Cana of Galilee where he turned water into wine. And this time performs a miracle. He didn't perform, didn't do the first miracle of turning water into wine to show you this is how he moves. He just showed you an invitation to say he always arrives and always moves. And I just want us to as a family begin to worship and begin to sing. And I want you to, I want you to see it. I want you to open your heart to encounter it and I want you to see it. I want you to dare to see your family living in the greatest days of zoe, of joy, of life and life more abundantly. Your kids bursting with the light of the love of God. I want you to see your body whole. I want you to see your marriage whole. I want you to see it because I know if you could touch the dirt even for a second, there's no stopping us from being strong and courageous until we're holding everything He's told us that we're designed to hold. Be strong and courageous. This ends well. I just want us to sing through that for just a moment. Let's just begin to. But I don't want you. We're not just singing the lyrics, man. I want you to sing this over the family. I want you to sing this over coming generations. I want you to sing this over our babies and their babies. That's how we have to see. By way of generations. yeah but this dirt doesn't feel anything special yeah but you're in a whole new world you're in a whole new world this is his promise too Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Homestead. If you would like to honor us through giving, please visit our Facebook page for links.